Hey everyone, welcome to episode number seven of season three of Musicians for Mental Health. On this podcast, we speak with musicians about mental health openly and honestly, without the veil of lyrics. We are not mental health professionals, we are not licensed therapists or counselors, we're just people that have had our own experiences with mental health and want to shed light on these things. On this episode, I have an incredible conversation with Mackenzie Shea, aka Mac, of the band Everline. Um, first off, if you haven't heard of the band, go check them out because they are absolutely incredible. Um, really going to be making some big waves in the Australian uh, alternative music scene. Uh, but huge shout out to Mac for taking the time to sit down and, and have this conversation with me and being open and vulnerable about kind of everything, you know, and telling her story and how that kind of transfers over to music. We talked about a variety of things, um, including self-actualization, so, you know, becoming aware of who you are and kind of letting that empower you and, and fuel your passions. Uh, we talked about processing emotion. Both of us are very much the type of person that has to let the thing kind of sink in and process it before we react or speak on it a lot of times because if we act in that moment, it's not going to come across the way that we'd like. And I think that's a, a really important thing for a lot of people to maybe realize themselves, but also to understand about others that if someone doesn't respond right away, it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that they don't care. It means that they're probably trying to process it and and make sure that they are saying the right thing. Uh, we also talked about the importance of authenticity in, um, in her music and the way that she presents herself and just... You guys know I talk about authenticity a lot, so that's really cool. We talk even a little more about, you know, telling stories and being a voice for the people that maybe don't have the same type of platform or same size of platform, or maybe that just aren't comfortable with uh, telling certain stories themselves. Um and yeah, you know, Mackenzie does a great job with that. And it was just a really, really great conversation. And I, I hope you guys enjoy this episode because I really did. Um, so yeah, let's dive into this. This is my conversation with Mac from the band Everline. Uh, so to kick things off, I do start with the same boring ass question every time because I just refuse to sit down and think of something better. Uh, simple introduction. <laughs> Who are you? Why are we having this talk? And just a little background on yourself. Um, well, I'm Mac. Um, I'm the lead singer of an Australian band called Everline. Um, we've been together for probably about five or six years um, yeah. at this point, I think. Something similar to that. Um, about myself. Um, obviously, I'm a singer. Um, I have a degree in music performance. Um, and I really like books. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. So let's start by, by talking about the band a little bit. For those that aren't familiar with you guys, like you said, you've been around 
five, almost six years at this point, you know, done uh, a few EPs, you've got stuff out there. And it's, it's this really cool project where you're kind of putting your heart on your sleeve all the way through this. And it, each EP is, I don't want to say like, that it's a fully conscious thing where you guys are setting out and going, we're not making the same record twice. I know that's obviously the intent. You'd never want to make the same record twice, but yeah. like there's, there is a distinct sound change or sound progression through the different EPs. How much of that was a conscious choice versus just growing up? Um, I don't think it was a conscious choice and more of us really just trying to find our sound. So I think it's more of us just kind of still experimenting around with a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, we've worked with a couple of different people. So obviously that's kind of contributed to how the sounds turned out. We've kind of just, we've just taken like different bands and different songs and stuff for reference um, throughout the different processes. And I think with the latest couple of songs that we've released, I think we've kind of found a little a little pocket that we want to sit in. Um, yeah. We tried to go heavier. We tried to be pop punk. And I think we found this kind of like mix between heavy-ish and a bit like a little bit of like electronic. I think I want to call it like League of Legends theme music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I think that's one of the, I mean, it obviously happens here in the US too, but I've had just an absolute ridiculous amount of Australian bands on on the program. So like, you know, I think that's something semi-unique to you guys is that it feels like you guys are a little more quick to say that this is our new sound space and this is where we're going to be. Whereas like in America, it seems like bands will dip their toes and stuff for a while and mm. never like fully commit to it. And I think that's something you semi-unique to you guys uh, in Australia is like, you find that little what makes you feel good or what you know fans are starting to respond to and then you go cool we found home let's do this yeah pretty much yeah um let's talk about the australian music scene some because again i've had just a ridiculous number of of people from that <laughs> there on the show i mean i've talked to you know michaela from yours truly emmy from red hook uh emma from the uh, the atomic bow project yeah. Between you and me, like, you know, you guys have such a a strong stranglehold in this pop punk alternative music scene. Um, what's it like seeing these bands come through the process and, and maybe being able to take some notes on like, OK, maybe that that's not the exact direction we want to go, but that works like we know what we're doing. Yeah, um, well, it's funny you mentioned um, yours truly. We actually just played a show with them probably about two weeks ago for the first time, which was really cool. So I got, yeah. actually got to meet Michaela. Yeah. That was pretty epic. Um, yeah, just kind of just watching all of those bands, obviously being, well, not really new to the scene, but still like trying to come up and make a, make a little bit, make a few waves in the, in the Australian music scene. It's, um, it's those type of bands kind of really paved the way for the stuff that we want to do. So it's a lot of like drawing inspiration from those type of people, um, watching how they perform, watching how they like market themselves, 
Um, and I think one of the biggest things is that they really play into having like the female fronted presence, mm-hmm. um, which is something that we've, I suppose, leaned into uh, as well. So really trying to make that sort of the focal point <laughs> of the band, because that seems to be, um, uh, I don't know, I suppose there's like a huge market for everyone wants to see women do um, do well in the heavy music scene because for so long it's been such like a male-dominated yeah. um, scene. So there's just so much support. There's so much like inclusivity within that sort of stuff, which is great to see, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, again, that's one of those places where Australia is where I'm noticing it most, but you're you're kind of unique in your music scene with that because there are so many bands that have female vocalists or whatever and whereas here in america like obviously they exist but they're not the ones getting the showtime you know yeah um in australia it does seem like that's kind of whether it's a revolution or whatever it's been kind of brought to that forefront um, and then to your point about getting that recognition, you know, Emmy from Red Hook just won um, a Women in, in Heavy Music Award for the first yep. time ever, you know, like the inaugural award. So like you guys, I do think are on that cutting edge, which I think is beneficial to you as a band as well, uh, because now you're already out in a little bit of a spotlight just by being yourself. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, the lyrical content of of the band. Uh, Again, you guys are a little on the nose in the sense that there's clearly messages in your songs, right? Mm. They're not as shrouded by metaphor as some other bands try to be, things like that. Um, And that's not a negative thing at all. I think it makes it easier for, for people to connect to. And some people that I've talked to are like, well, we don't write the on the nose stuff because it it's quote unquote too easy. And it's like, but it's not like, doesn't that make it mm. harder to talk about that? It's really it not a story. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, what's that, that been like, you know, over the last five or so years, kind of putting your story and obviously not all of them are just your story, your bandmates stories mm. and, and friends, like what's it like transitioning real life into that musical space for you? Well, um, I've been lyric writing since I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. Um, And I've always been the kind of person that's really struggled with like um, expressing how I feel in the moment. And I found that putting that into like songwriting and lyric writing and having it still a little bit shrouded by mist. So it's not as like explicit of me just being like, hey, I feel like this. just kind of it's easier for me to sort of like connect with people around me and I kind of find it it's it's kind of freeing as well I find it really cool that if I can write these songs um and have these different lyrical content of stuff that's going on in my life or in someone else's life that's around me and people can connect to that that's that's amazing to be perfectly honest if I can sit there and I can put it into words and someone else can go yes I feel that way. You put it exactly how I would put it. That's incredible. Like I know one of our songs, Surrender, which came out on our EP from 2022, I think, um, it wasn't 
my feelings, but it was something that was going on to someone who's really, really close to me in my life. Um, and they were really struggling and I really had no idea how to help them at the time. So I kind of put it down into words and decided I'm going to write a song and this song is going to be for them. Um, and the first time they ever heard us play it live, I made them cry. I was a little bit sad. <laughs> it was a little bit sad, but um, I think it had its desired effect. And it's it really, um, it kind of helps me with regard, like I said, with just putting my emotions out there and being able to connect to the people in my life. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's awesome because I think it is one of those things. Um, Emmy and I kind of talked about this with their song Jabberwocky, you know, and yeah. Um, being able to to take an experience that you have or are going through and to make a song that maybe didn't exist before that is going to connect with someone to say like it's okay that you're in this situation i'm here too yeah yeah 100% yeah um so for you you said you started lyric writing at a young age when did music kind of become the focal point of like this is obviously something I'd like to do. I'm sure in Australia, it's much like America where parents still say absolutely fucking not like you're not just <laughs> going to be a musician. So what was it like, you know, trying to, to navigate those waters? Well, I'm very lucky that I didn't have to because I grew up with musician parents. OK, so <laughs> so my dad's um, a drummer and a singer and he plays he dabbles in a whole heap of different instruments. He's one of those type of people. Um, so he's been in cover bands and original bands for longer than I've been alive. So that's been having that, like growing up with that sort of inspiration has been really amazing. Like my mom's always been big into like theater and performing and she's really loves like directing, um, stage shows. Um, so growing up in that environment was, um, really paved the way I suppose for me trying to get into music and anything that I wanted to do they were so supportive they put me in music lessons and vocal lessons when I told them I wanted to study music um in university they were like I wish we had these opportunities when we were younger I wish these were options so I'm one of those few people that didn't really have to try and navigate those waters and I'm really grateful for it like my parents have been so unbelievably supportive and my partner's parents they're not musicians but they absolutely love coming to watch um the uh the band as well like their sons are the um guitarist and bass player in the band yeah and they are so supportive they're at every show which is amazing yeah see and that that is i mean obviously there's some of that in america too but mm. in america there's such a heavy focus on the college route still to this day and it's like college isn't for everybody you know like I'm not saying don't go to school kids but like <laughs> if you have a, a dream and it's not a traditional dream like it's okay to try to explore that um 100%. for you then obviously you know being exposed to it at such a young age and kind of um being able to see the ins and outs what was that that transition like for you mentally when you started writing lyrics to try to get your emotion out like was it a very natural feeling thing at that point because you've seen your dad kind of doing the same thing um it did feel very natural I suppose 
like I said, growing up with my parents, like dad does songwriting as well. And he um, has written his own, like a couple of his own plays and musicals. So I was always in an environment where people were writing mums and authors as well. So um, it just, it just felt so natural. Like when I started lyric writing, I just, it just kind of made sense. Like obviously like in the schoolyard when um, you see, you're just sitting there writing in a book, obviously people, people suck yeah. and they like try and take it and they're like, what is this? And you're like, Oh God, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But once you get out of those like toxic high school environments, it's just there's so much more support, I suppose, um, just in like the music industry as a whole. So kind of like getting into that industry um, was incredible. You meet so many amazing people that are like um, that have been through like similar experiences and they're like, hey, I went through this sort of stuff in high school as well. Um, people suck. I was bullied for being a performer and wanting to be a singer or a musician. Um, and I see them now and they are absolutely thriving, which is just right. so cool to see. Yeah. Well, and that's one of those ironic things to me too, because, you know, bullying is ridiculous in the first place, but Ugh, it's horrible. Like, like you said, like the theater kids, the music kids tend to be picked on pretty heavily, maybe not the most, but pretty heavily, <laughs> pretty heavily. Yeah. But the thing that that's so ironic to me is like, we all love music. Like even the bully has a favorite band. Do you what? not think that that band was the nerd kid in <laughs> high school too? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it just makes no sense. I don't get it. <laughs> it's so, so bizarre. Like, you know, obviously we all go through our own things, whatever, but like, I just, I can't wrap my head around if roles were reversed. Right. And like band mm. kids made fun of sports kids and it's like, Oh, you're going to be a football player. Like get, get real, grow up. And it's like, but, but there are football players. They exist. They make a lot of fucking money. Like why right? would I not? Yeah. <laughs> There are some huge musicians out there that I'm sure copped it in high school that have just sat there and they're like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, you can't tell me Metallica is not going, cool, guys, I'm glad you all made fun of us because here we are, you know. <laughs> Hope you had fun, but I'm right. now living the best, my best life. <laughs> but especially, you know, like the, it is hard to get out of Australia, at least to the U.S., because we're stupid and charge a shitload of money for that. But uh <laughs> the visas are insane for you guys to get over to us and perform, but like, you know, the bands that are able to travel to all these overseas locations too. It's like, you made fun of this kid in high school for chasing his dream. And now he's, you know, on a jet to fucking Ireland to play a show. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Sitting in your house watching the news. <laughs> like, grow up <laughs> you're watching so, vampire diaries again on, uh, on Netflix. Right, right absolutely insane um so as you kind of you know developed this passion for for lyric writing and and whatnot how do you think that started to manipulate your mental health journey you know obviously being in your formative years when you started lyric writing how did how did all that kind of meld together? Do you think it was obviously a benefit or did it detract from maybe being able to address some of the, the things you were going through? 
I, I definitely think it did kind of um, kind of hinder my ability to like connect with people properly um, because I was so stuck and I'd found my method that worked for me of how to put my lyrics across. But at that point, I wasn't doing anything with them. They're just going in a book and that was going in my right. bag. Like there was nothing being done with them. Um, so it, it did kind of, um, it kind of stopped me from connecting with people properly. Um, and I really struggled with like forming good relationships in high school. I had so many, like, there was always like some sort of friendship drama, um, that was going on, um, like typical high school stuff. But I obviously, because I didn't express to people what's actually going on for me, I just got always like pinned as the bad guy because I couldn't like explain myself and why I do things the way that I do. And because it makes sense in my head. And I, I still struggle with this to be perfectly honest. Um, I think the <laughs> I'm best a lot of us better do. At it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a lot better at it now, but I, I still struggle with this. Like if I'm like in the moment and I'm feeling like a really big emotion, I kind of just like shut down and I'm like, I'm not addressing this. This is not, this isn't, I'm not about this right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I do the same thing and I've been in a similar situation many times, but where like, I'm very much the like analytical, logical, I need to process what I'm feeling before I open my mouth because mm-hmm. either a, I'm not going to do it and actually convey the right, you know, feeling that I'm expressing, or I'm going to come across very angry and you're going to get mad that I'm <laughs> being defensive. Um, so yeah. I'm the same way. Like I, I take in things and then I just kind of sit with them and I've, I've been confronted about that in, you know, personal relationships and, and like even work life, you know, where mm. you're just trying to process stuff. And it's like, I can't respond to this right now because it's going to be an emotional response. And I need to give you the, the exactly. logical response. Yeah. I need yeah. to stew on this for a bit and think why this is a good idea or why this makes sense before I sit there and I like explode at you because I'm like, why are you telling me off? Yeah absolutely the same way and I'm a classic overthinker as well so like I'm one of those people I just sent a meme to a a few friends (laughs) earlier that said uh don't ever tell me that we'll cross that bridge when we come to it because I'm already at that bridge yeah I've already I've got the problem now so I need to figure it out now (laughs) (laughs) I've come to that bridge and I've jumped off like five times by now you need to tell me what we're doing yes absolutely um so as you you kind of progress through high school and and start you know filling book after book after book of <laughs> lyrics, um, when did it click that okay now it's time to really express what I'm feeling and what I'm writing? Um, I suppose I started trying to in high school. I went through a program like we do. Like in Australia, we have like our VCE system, which is like your normal school system. And then you can also choose like it's called a VET subject, which is kind of like um, an external subject that you can pick to do like a university study, like get a certificate. Yeah. Um, and you do that with like a whole bunch of other schools in the area and you all once a week you'll go to the, des- the designated school and you'll like learn and do all that sort of stuff. I obviously chose music. Um, so, (laughs) and through that, we actually started, we were encouraged to write music, um, and work together as a band, 
Um, and I came into that project and I was like, hey, I've got all these books just full of random lyrics. What do you reckon? So I started there. Um, and it was it was very basic back then. I hadn't obviously lyric writing wasn't as evolved um, and hadn't grown as much um, because I'd never actually like put it into practice. Um, so it wasn't really, I suppose, until I started with um, Everline that I really kind of really wanted to to make something, I suppose, and really put something out there and really start expressing like real emotions um, rather than just kind of shrouding everything in metaphor, like you mentioned before, yeah. which is what I was trying to do. I was trying to say something, but in fact, I was not really saying anything at all. Um, that's honestly, that's part of the reason I, I built this podcast is, you know, the little like tagline in my pitch to PR teams and whatnot is that I want to have these conversations without the veil of lyrics. And it's mm. because of that exactly where like, I, as an artist, you know, I think I know what I'm saying. Well, I do know what I'm saying because I'm the one that wrote it, but yeah. I think that the listener is hearing what I'm saying, but everybody takes those metaphors and those, those veils of lyrics in a million different directions. And then you go, Oh they shit, that didn't so do. Yeah. Like I have those issues all the time when I'm writing something for the band and the band's like, Oh, you're writing another love song. I'm like, this isn't a love song. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's bananas. The the level of confusion that can come in around that, like one yep. of my favorite examples of it is. Um, Dave Grohl was on the Kelly Clarkson show and mm. she's talking about how much she loves the Foo Fighters and their song uh, Learn to Fly. And she thinks it's like mm. this grandiose song about like some sort of, you know, spiritual like awakening or whatever. And Dave's sitting there and he just kind of lets her get it out. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, nope. so that song is literally about me wanting to get my fucking pilot's license and learning how to fly. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm glad you got whatever you got out of it. But that's not what this was at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so crazy. And I think, I think the thing with that is obviously art is subjective, right? And that's something we all learn as we grow up and, and whatnot. But as an artist, I think the, the problem often is unintentionally, probably subconsciously, as an artist, we create this piece of art, then we put it out in the world to be interpreted, and we do it with the, the blinders on because, again, we know what that piece of art is. So it's like, okay, yeah. this is going to land with this type of person because they're going through this thing. And then it's like, oh, everybody's loving the song because it helped them get over their dog dying. And it's like, oh, shit, that wasn't what this was. Like, <laughs> but I don't want to take that away from them either, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, for you, as you've progressed now through the EPs, um, been able to you know refine your sound like we were talking earlier and then just put out reckless which is this kind of empowering anthem for people to like realize hey uh everybody's gonna have their own fucking opinions whatever go live your yep. life mm -hmm. 
for you, what yeah. what that song? Obviously, we know, but like, what that song you? Oh, sorry, you're a bit crackly. I think the internet's been a bit. Hang on, Ooh. it could be my internet. There you too. go. There you're back. Go. You're back. All right. All right. <laughs> All good. For you personally, what does that feel like um, now you've got it out there? And kind of what was that connection when you were writing it? Like, was there a a moment for you that you were like, I have to stop caring what other people fucking think about what I say? Uh, to be honest, like when I was writing this one, I was trialing something very different that I hadn't hadn't really done before. Um, it was a songwriting method that I learned in in uni, which was to like pick a buzzword and then write down a whole heap of words that kind of relate to it and then try and string those together. And for me, I, I'm, I'm not that big into like um, astrology or anything like that, but I picked my star sign, which is a Sagittarius. Um, and I was like, what are the traits of a Sagittarius? And it was all of these like really empowering sort um, sort traits that they're, they're very carefree, they're um, very bold, they're ambitious, they're, um, yeah, they're just all of these um, really amazing things that I sat there and I was like, I wish I could be a lot more like this. And I suppose that's kind of how the song came to fruition is like, let's let's make a, an empowering anthem out of this. This could be really, really cool. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I suppose putting it out there, um, I had gotten to the point where I didn't really care what anyone else thought. Um, well, obviously everyone still cares what people think, but to an an extent I got to the point where I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, obviously you cop, like not being like the typical, like female front person, not being like the tiny little, um, perfect body image sort thing. I, was very self-conscious for such a long time. So when I started doing the music, like obviously there was like some some really nasty people that come back and make some really horrible comments. Um, and luckily I had a really good team. Like the boys, they would, luckily they'd always managed to get to it first and they'd delete the comments before I saw anything. And they, they were just so, so protective and supportive of me, which has been great. Um, so I kind of got to the point where I'm like, I need to stop caring what people think of me as a person and I want them to enjoy the music that I make. And I decided that as well as putting this out to be like an anthem for people to be like, I'm going to be me. I don't give a fuck what everyone else thinks. This was, this was a big thing for me to be like, I'm going to try something new with regards to writing this song. And I went like, we without sorry I'm all over the place You're with fine. our writing process <laughs> with our writing process we kind of do all the music first and then I'll get given a bounce of the music and I'll go to, into a different room and I'll write all the lyrics for it so when I did this I was like normally I'm really self-conscious about taking the lyrics to the boys because I'm like they're gonna judge me they're gonna <laughs> hate it 
So I took it upstairs and I was like, this is what I got. And they're like, doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, but cool. No worries. And I was like, great. We're trying something new. We're putting ourselves out there. We're sticking it to the man or whatever the saying is. And (laughs) so, yeah, this was, this was kind of huge for me. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, that's the nice thing with, with being in the band and, and having all the different perspectives is exactly that where like, just because it doesn't necessarily land or resonate with every member right off the bat mm. doesn't mean it's it's wrong or anything like that. Like, here's here's what I'm going through. You know, obviously this is a little bit different, but here's what I'm going through, or here's yep. what this song you know kind of encapsulates. And then, especially being able to kind of mold the song around it at at that point once they understand the lyrical content. And things like that. Maybe that riff doesn't go in the hook and it goes in the the chorus instead. Or, you know, there's so much of that where now once we have a full song versus instrumentals or just lyrics, we can piece it together and everybody can connect to it. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned, you know, you guys just played a show with yours truly not too long ago. Mm. You guys have been getting out in the, the music scene, obviously, post-COVID. Um, how much different do you feel like the Australian music scene is post-COVID? Because um, you guys went through some of the most intense fucking lockdowns in the world. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely did, especially here in Melbourne. Like, yeah. they were brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was that like for you, you know, going through that and um, as the proverbial but also realistic doors started to open back up and you guys could start performing again um what's it been like getting back out there now and going we're here we've got a a little bit of a new sound here we are yeah well obviously um we'd only just started like getting onto the scene and releasing music when covid hit so we were like um in lockdown quite a lot um Luckily for us, I suppose, Nathan and Jordan, who are our bass player and guitarists, they were living together at the time. Um, so they were still able to kind of like write music and they'd send us little bits and pieces. Um, and I suppose that's where we kind of started thinking, let's try something new. And we started like experimenting with new things. And then we got in contact with our producer, a new, pro- new producer. And we're like, hey, we've got these ideas. What do you reckon? And he was like, cool, I've got a million things that we can try. So um coming out of like COVID obviously it was so hard because there were <clears throat> um yeah like people were still scared to leave the house because of how intense our lockdowns were and how much fear there was around this this virus and obviously there were bands that were like dropping out of shows left right and center because someone got COVID and they needed to be in lockdown for a, a week or two so it was it was so difficult coming back out of that but I feel we're starting to kind of get back to some semblance of normalcy, um, but it's still, it's still getting there. To be perfectly honest, it's still, it's still getting there. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you know, America, we just didn't give a fuck. I mean, we obviously <laughs> locked down, but we're. I mean, I obviously do the podcast. I do concert photography, the whole nine yards, mm. and I would say we're back to if not more people coming out to shows already than pre you know the 
two, three years before COVID. And it's, it's that catch 22 though, right? Like it's really cool to see, but at the same time, it does sit in the back of your mind going, are we fucking up? Like, what if something else is, you know, a different version of COVID exists and we don't know about it yet? Like, is this all going to get taken away again? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I know there's there's still people that I see walking around, or even that come to shows, and they're still wearing like masks because they're and they're mm-hmm. just hanging out the back rather than like in the crowds because they're <laughs> trying to stay away from people. Um, yeah, and it's 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 crazy. It's been like I suppose it's been nearly two years since all of the craziness stopped, and we kind of started getting back to normal. Um, right. And it's still still kind of getting there yeah yeah and it's you know i think it's that a little bit of like the survivalist mindset right like Mm. everybody wants to be involved and and whatnot but to your point you know the people still wearing masks and stuff it's like i i can't take enough of a risk yet you know what i mean there's there's not enough evidence for me to risk it yet or whatever um and, you know, it's who's to say which one's right. Uh, for me, it's it's kind of that me- mentality of like, obviously, I'm not going to go around like licking doorknobs or something. I'm not that <laughs> reckless about it. But, but like, I'm not going to not go enjoy a show either if it's a band that I really like. Yeah. Yeah. 100 um, percent. Yeah, I think um, hand sanitizers become like a permanent thing for a lot of people. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the the new producer that you mentioned is Chris from Wind Waker. Uh, he is, yes. Let's let's talk about him a little bit. Let's brag on him. Um, I think you know from a production standpoint, hearing you know songs that he's been involved with, a great choice for someone that understands how to fuse different elements together. What was it like approaching him and now working with him a few times and kind of seeing that in play? Um, Well, I hadn't, I had obviously heard of Wind Waker and I'd heard a couple of their tracks and I I thought their music was really good. Um, We got in contact with Chris through our drummer, funnily enough, because he works as a full-time lighting technician in Australia. And I think he's done, I think he might've done one or two overseas things as well um with like international bands and all that sort of stuff so he's pretty um doing pretty well for himself <laughs> right so his mentor um who he works very closely with um has worked with Wind Waker and is good mates with Chris and had put us on to Chris and he was gave us like that little bit of like a boost and a recommendation be like hey my mates in this band they're looking to do some stuff would you work with them and we got in contact with Chris through that and it's been an incredible process like he is so awesome to work with like he is always open to ideas and to trying stuff he's very he's very on me about doing like vocal warm-ups so I don't fuck my voice before we do any (laughs) before we do any takes which is amazing because I get really stuck with that sometimes um but he's he's so good with like bouncing ideas around like with regards to melodies he's just brilliant with coming up with like melody ideas and um going back and forth with him because I've never had like much of a um 
I suppose much of like a, a, a workshopping thing with regards to lyrics and melodies. I've kind of just been, oh, Mac, that's your job because you're good at that. That's where you kind of like do your thing. And I'm like, I want some help. I want someone to like bounce ideas with. And Chris has been that. And it's been amazing to have that. And he's just so good at what he does. He's just <laughs> he's just been incredible. And he's given us so many connections as well. Like he put us on to Ophelia um, as well as like um, the stylist that we got on for um, the last couple of music videos as well as the vid- their videographer as well. And we brought him down from Brisbane to do our last two videos. And he's just, he's kind of just been like, he's our godfather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what he's become for us. <laughs> yeah. Like, almost a manager without the manager title right like has all the right connections and can get you in the right places and I think that's that's one of those things that I I talk a lot on my other podcast to bands about especially younger bands or you know newer to a, a scene or whatever the importance of networking and never closing doors because mm-hmm. you never know who that next person is that's going to get you to the next person in this case, you know, like your drummer talking to his mentor about lighting, getting you to Chris for Wind Waker, who gets you to a videographer and gets you to your PR team. And like, not saying you couldn't have achieved all those same things without him, but mm. what would that would process have looked like? Yeah, for sure. So, no, <laughs> I, I do. I think it's really cool too that, you know, again, something the American scene has gotten better over the years, but the Australian scene, one of the things I absolutely love about it is that there's so much camaraderie between all the different bands. Yeah. Not saying that there's not competition because there is right. Like there's only so many shows that can be played, whatever, like there's going to be some of that, but I feel like at least from the outsider perspective, there's a lot less gatekeeping within the music industry and music scene down there where, Hey, you know, like I'll give you a name. I may not be able to like fully go to bat for you, but I'll give you a name. And if it works out, it works out. Or, you Mm. know, we'll bring you onto this show and just see what can happen. Um, Whereas, you know, I think in America, there's still a little bit of that, like apprehension, even with as massive yeah. as the U.S. is, bands are so scared to like give out their connections because like <laughs> it means quote unquote less work for them. That's like, but it, but it doesn't. It means more work mm-hmm. for everybody. You know, like okay, yeah, it's it's kind of a yeah. weird thing sometimes over here. But um, I again, I I think you know with the Australian scene as well, something that <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine about. Um, this is the out of the 25 year, the 25th episode of this particular podcast, you're number eight of Australian artists that I've had on here now. So it's like this really crazy thing where that doesn't seem like a huge, you know, percentage or fraction necessarily, but all the others are so scattered that it's like Australia also understands or their bands understand like mental health is important and we want to talk about it because we can only get better if we do. I 100% agree. Like um, I was like we spoke about earlier with uh, with Emmy Mack that came on and she was talking about what happened to her when she went over to Germany and her journey with um, writing Jabberwocky. Like I was sitting there and I was like, wow, I've never heard anyone really open up about that sort of stuff yeah. and try and bring awareness to that. And 
I have so much respect for her for being able to talk so openly about it. And um, I suppose I kind of wanted to take a, a, a leaf. What is it? A page from her book? A leaf from her tree? I think Something it's a page like from that, her book. Yeah. Something yeah. like that, yeah. And I wanted to be a lot more transparent with my music as well. So I suppose when people have questions, I'm not afraid to kind of open up and tell them what it's about because she's sort of paved the way for that and she's done it in such a brave she's been so brave and so amazing and just open with what's happened and I don't I've never met her I don't know but I just amazed I just instantly feel proud of her for be doing that <laughs> um <laughs> yeah no it, it is and I think you know it's one of those things that it's it's easy to say, you know, that I'm trying to think of how to word this so that it doesn't come across like negative by any means. Like it's yeah. easy for us to say that, oh, she's so brave and and whatever. And mm. she is, I'm not taking anything away from her. What yeah. I'm trying to get across is like, our words are not enough to describe how brave she is for saying that. And that, that goes 100%. for anybody telling their story, whether it's as extreme as what Emmy went through mm. or it's, you know, much less extreme. And I'm, I'm not going to give examples because to anyone, like whatever you go through is obviously an extreme thing. That's, it's a personal experience. And I think 100%. it's, I think it's really important that people understand that just because it wasn't a sexual assault or something you know quote unquote heinous doesn't yeah. mean that it's not important for you to talk about or that it wasn't a legitimate trauma a hundred percent yeah like there's always things that um that people have gone through that they're like oh, I've gone through this but it's not as bad as what other people have gone through and they're just diminishing their own feelings and it's it's something that you see quite a lot and I suppose it's like a lot of like things that you, I suppose some people grow up with as well, where you're like, oh, you, you're going through this, but it's not as bad as X, Y, Z. Like, I know something my parents use a lot is like, oh, it's not as bad as the starving children in Africa. And you sit there and you're like, oh, well, and you grow up with that sort of like mentality where you just sit there and you diminish your own feelings to a point where you're like, it doesn't matter because it's not this extreme. But in actuality, like it's probably mean like this thing is probably a lot for you and it it's very impactful it's obviously something that you're feeling and you shouldn't have to feel like you need to diminish yourself and um not express how you feel and just because it's not as bad as what someone else has went has gone through like right yeah and you know I talked to I think Emmy and I talked about it and uh, David from um, Bellhaven, we were talking yep. about the that same mentality where like, if someone broke their leg, you wouldn't walk up to them and be like, oh, at least you didn't get shot. Like, so why, <laughs> why do we do that for other types of trauma, you know, mental health yeah. issues and whatnot? Like, oh, you're, you're overreacting. It could be this. And it's like, right. But that doesn't mean that this still doesn't hurt. Exactly. It, it's mind blowing, right? Like it's baffling. Yeah. Um, so for you, as you progress through the music scene um, and 
you know, have this this focus on mental health without the unfortunate stigma that still exists where people think that mm-hmm. artists only write about mental health because it's the quote unquote trendy or cool thing to do, which is not why any of any artist that I've ever talked to has written a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if, if they're writing for all. that reason, then they're going to fail. Like that's where the authenticity comes in. So for you, as exactly. you, you come up through this authenticity and, and writing this way um, and performing these songs, how important is it for you to to not sacrifice that, right? Like to not quote unquote sell out to, well, we're only going to write pop hits because that's the safe space, if you will. Mm. Yeah, I um, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of um, threw that out the window when we wrote Surrender. Um, Surrender is a very, very heavy topic. And as I mentioned, it's about someone that was close to me. I'd actually written it about a couple of different people that had gone through very similar experiences. They both, they'd like experienced either a miscarriage or they'd had um, an abortion and um, something had gone wrong with it. And um, someone very close to me ended up in the hospital because it hadn't completely worked and they just randomly started bleeding at work one day Mm -hmm. and they had to be rushed to emergency because, and, and all of that sort of stuff had happened and I was terrified because this person means the world to me and I I don't know what I'd do without them. And um I I really I didn't know how to express that. And I thought I just got I was really upset one day and I needed to get it out. And that's how surrender came about because I started writing it down on paper and I started writing it about one person and then I started thinking about what this other person who was currently in the emergency room was going through. And I was like, I want to tell their story. It doesn't necessarily need to be about them. It could be a bit more generalized and it could be like about absolutely anybody. I don't want to sit there and like give them away because it's not, I I suppose it's in a way it's not my story to tell, but I want to, I kind of wanted to write it from a perspective of, I understand what you're going through and I want to be able to like put this across in a way that I want you to feel that what you're going through, it's okay. Like I want you, I want you to be okay. Um, And like I mentioned, when we played this song live and they came to the show for the first time, I, I made them cry and I didn't want to make them sad at all, but, I was so inspired by them and they were so thankful that um and for the song and I was I like I got off stage and I went straight to them and I gave them the biggest <laughs> hug. I was just I was like I didn't mean to make you cry but I want you to know that I'm so proud of you for getting through that and I I want you to know that I'm always I'm always going to be here for you. I understand like you've been through this struggle and I want you I just want you to be okay. Right. Right. No, and I, I think, you know, you make the comment that it's not technically your story to tell, which is true to some extent, maybe. But mm. I think the the beautiful thing about music and 
and artists and lyricists and and this whole space is you have the unique opportunity to give a voice to the people that feel like they don't have one. So, you know, while it may not be technically your story, it's still a story worthy of being heard. And I think that's the important part. And, you know, people, whether they will admit it or not, you know, the, the most hard ass person on the planet still just wants to be seen as a person, you know, 100%. and at the end of the day, everybody is a person and we're all humans. We have our own fuck ups and mistakes and yeah. traumas that we go through and to just hear that we're not alone in those battles is one of the most empowering and and kind of reassuring things that that you can have right that yeah okay this person's made it through that i can get through that yeah very much yeah um <laughs> So I, you know, we've all heard the the cliche version of this, but I do like this as kind of one of my my questions as we transition towards the end here. Um, mm. The the cliche is that you know we grow up to be the person that we needed when we were younger, right? So mm. what would current Mac go back and tell yourself at your darkest and lowest point? Um, what advice would you give yourself? Oh God. Um, <laughs> it's look, I'm still on a bit of a journey myself at the moment. Like I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD and obviously like going through as a kid or as a teenager and not knowing that, um, you have that and people just kind of look at you and they think you're weird and they don't kind of get it. I don't know if you'd necessarily like, I don't know if I'd necessarily tell myself, um, that's what it is. But um, it's kind of like, it's probably the cliche of everything's going to be okay. Like things will make sense. Like there's, you're not crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally feel you on that. Earlier this year, I, I got my own diagnosis. Um, it was in fact, right before I talked to Emmy um, mm. and same thing, you know, I, I knew that I had struggled for literal decades but I never went and figured out why and yeah. I think for me kind of similarly like I would go back obviously I'm you know you're gonna make it you're gonna be okay but I think I yeah. would tell myself that if you feel like you're struggling with something it's okay to open up about it because there's something else here and you need to find out what that other thing is because yeah. that's how you're going to address it um one of them that I, I absolutely love, I talked to Matty Mullins of Memphis May Fire, and he had made the comment that he would tell younger Matty Mullins that, you know, it's, um, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but <laughs> basically said like, you know, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel all the feelings that you feel. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to, to go through these things and have really big emotions. But when it's time to be happy, you're allowed to be happy. And like that hit me like I a like ton that. of fucking bricks. Cause I know for a fact, I've not allowed myself to be happy because I didn't feel like I deserved it because of yeah. whatever I was going through. Yeah. I can definitely identify with that too. Yeah. Sometimes you're, you're going through some stuff and you're like, why am I happy right now? When I know there's like something else that's going on, like there's no point 
Um, like if someone around you is not feeling a hundred percent, you kind of feel guilty for being right. in a really good mood. Yeah. But I suppose like you need to allow yourself those good moments. Even like it's yeah, it's 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 really good advice. <laughs> yeah. I think I need to take that on board now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> After he said it to me, like even though he was saying it to himself, I was like, cool, Maddie. Uh that's going to my locker <laughs> now because I needed that. That hit Um, home. Yeah, it it really does. And I think, you know, again, tying it back to music too, that's that's why people, you know, it's so funny to me how many primarily older generation, but it happens in all all age groups, I guess, Mm -hmm. how people look at the alternative music scene with kind of this side eye. They don't really understand it, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I could go listen to the top 40 radio and just listen to pop hits, whatever. But there's no, I shouldn't say no, there's much less <laughs> substance to them. Whereas in this alternative scene, like these are the people that have went through what I've went through and that I can identify with. Um, and I think it's really important to to keep kind of nurturing that. And, you know, through you doing live performances and then meeting with fans after the show or whatever to hear that hey this song helped get me through something is more valuable than any fucking streaming numbers yeah you know any paycheck that could come it's just there's 100%. something totally different about it it's when hearing something like that when someone's like this song got me through something that was really difficult it's like and it's like an absolute honor to be perfectly honest to be like I've been able to create something that has actually helped somebody and it's the most incredible feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, you know, unfortunately not everybody will get to experience it in their lifetime because obviously everybody's on different journeys or whatever. Um, But when you hear, and I'm not saying go out and try to be this person just to be this person or, or to hear it, right? Like don't yeah. get a savior complex about it. But like <laughs> when, you, when you hear like this song or this thing that you did meant this to me because whatever, like really take that in and absorb it because while it's important to you just to hear those words, it's more important for them to be able to tell you those words. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so as we transition to the end here, what's the rest of the year look like? Kind of what are your plans? What are you allowed to say without getting in trouble? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> new music, uh, shows, videos, things like that, or even leading into, you know, 2024. Um, well, obviously we do, writing we as much as possible, but <laughs> <laughs> Always, always. I've always got a pen in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, we do have a show coming up um, in about two weeks' time that we're playing with uh, an artist from Western Australia called Rin Rin, um, Mm -hmm. as well as a couple of other um, amazing artists. One of them I have had the absolute honour of actually going on tour with when their singer had just had a baby and they asked me to fill in for for an Australian tour for them. So this is my first time getting to like play on a lineup with them as their as their whole since their singers back. So I'm very excited about it. 
Um, is yeah, that Penny we, it is uh, not Penny Parker with uh, the band's called Ghost Seeker. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've known those guys for years, and I was I was so excited to go on tour with them. Um, it was the best experience. I've never done an Australian tour, so I was I was like, yes, take me with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we've got, I think we've got some, we've definitely got some more stuff in store for next year. Um, we've already got something that has been recorded and we um, we do have plans to go back and visit our good friend Chris and see uh, what else we can come up with together. But um yeah, I think we're just going to, like, see the year out and just take things as they go, um, roll with the punches as it is. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's cool. And I think, you know, the, the thing for people to remember is it it's so easy to feel like every time a band drops a new song, new EP, whatever, like, oh, they should be on the road. First off, that's fucking expensive. So keep <laughs> that shit that in mind. Money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, second, you know, obviously, even some of, of people's favorite bands still have a day job. So like getting the time off yeah. to do a tour doesn't necessarily work. Um, I only have four weeks of annual leave. Sorry, guys. <laughs> right, right. That's why weekend, <laughs> little weekend runs happen all the time is because yeah, I, I can I can get off work. I can go play a Friday night show, a Saturday night show. If Sunday's close to home, I'm good. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the other the other side of that I think is too like, don't. I I have friends that do this and that annoys the shit out of me. I, I <laughs> they'll Just hook call them to, out, but they'll know who they are if they listen to this episode. <laughs> But like they'll hook onto a song that, you know, is the new release. So for you, Reckless, for example, and then because nothing else comes out within the next like three, four weeks, it's like they forget about the band until something else yeah. comes out. And it's like, what the fuck just happened? I have one friend in particular, I won't use his name, but again, he knows who he is <laughs> if he's listening, that I literally sent an album link to this morning. And he's like, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard him. And then I sent like the last album to him again and he goes oh yeah i remember these guys i was like bro that was six fucking months ago <laughs> like <laughs> why do you forget this stuff <clears throat> i so, hate to the... say i can be a little bit like this. <laughs> <laughs> my point oh, though God. is put them on a playlist enjoy the song all the time don't just wait for it to pop up on like release radar or whatever oh yeah yeah. yeah, see, I put things on a playlist, but I've got, like, this giant Spotify playlist that's got, like, 3,000 songs, and then okay. I, like, condense them into playlists that probably have, like, 50, and I just listen to those on repeat. <laughs> that's like, fair, I guess. Songs. Yeah, that, that's fair, I guess. Um, obviously, I'll link all the socials and everything, but where can people find you online? What's the best way to kind of interact and stay up to date with what you're doing? Yeah, so obviously we've got Facebook, Instagram. We've got a couple of music videos up on YouTube. So if you could give those some love, that'd be amazing. Um, Triple J on Earth, we've got a couple of tracks up on there. Obviously Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere that you can kind of like stream music, you'll be able to find us. Awesome. That's really everything I've got for you. Again, I really appreciate you finding the time because of the time difference. 
<laughs> but also, you know, being open to having this type of conversation and like we were saying a little while ago, like pushing the the conversation forward in the mental health space, because I think, yeah, especially in the music community, there seems to be the shift more so than in any other mainstream industry of people being able and willing to talk about their stories. Um, and that's the only way the stigma goes away, right? Is if people 100%. don't see Just it as taboo to say it. anymore. Yeah, exactly. So uh, again, yeah. thank you for that as well. And I'm excited for you guys really li- like the the new music and looking forward to kind of seeing where all this goes. I mean, obviously, again, me being in the US, unless I win the lottery, probably not coming <laughs> down to Australia anytime soon. But um, you know, I, I do think that there's so much, so much like potential within that Australian scene right now that you guys are in a prime position to kind of, like I said at the beginning, steal some of that spotlight to some extent, because the spotlight's already looking at the female fronted artists. Yeah. So now you can say, hey, look at this, this, look at this, look at this corner of this, you know, this genre or whatever. Um, So yeah, I'm excited for you. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I um, yeah, it's really great that we uh, that you've kind of like opened up this platform to be able to have these sort of chats. And I think that more people need to do it. More people need to be open and have just like some real like DNM chats. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. So uh, I'll keep you posted on when this goes live and everything. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully we'll be able to connect on down the road a little bit as well with the new music that you're working on with Chris and whatever else comes out. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Josh. You enjoy the rest of your day or night or whatever time it is. It is 639. I'm fine. (laughs) It's It's like 830 in the morning here. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. (laughs) It's not real. All right, Mac, I appreciate it. Um, Like I said, we'll definitely be in touch and and we'll go from there. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Josh. Not a problem. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that was my conversation with Mac from the band Everline. Again, huge shout out to her for taking the time to have that conversation with me, um, especially with the time zone difference and all of that as, you know, being in the U.S. and Eastern time zone. Sometimes linking up with people in Australia can be uh, a bit of a task or, you know, inconvenient for one or the other. So huge shout out to her for getting up early and having that conversation with me because it was like eight in the morning, um, probably a little before that when we actually started the conversation with her. So, um, again, just huge shout out to, to Mac for being open and honest and telling those stories and allowing her voice to be this beacon of sorts to others to be able to tell their story as well. And, um, yeah, just a a big fan of what she's doing what she represents and you know pushing that conversation forward because like we've said so many times if we stop having the conversation this doesn't get better the stigma doesn't go away 
So I just, again, thank her so much for what she's doing. Highly, highly, highly encourage you guys to go check out the band. Uh, the band is called Everline. They are in the Australian alternative music scene. It's this really cool kind of hybrid uh, soundscape, if you will. So, you know, go check them out. Check out a couple different songs because their sound is constantly evolving. And if maybe there's a single that you don't necessarily care for as much, there's probably another one that you do. So go check out their their discography, uh, their catalog, whatever you want to call it, uh, anywhere that you stream music. So that would be a huge help for them as well. Um, as always, I'll link all of the social medias and everything in the description of this podcast. So be sure you jump over, give them a like, share, subscribe, and follow. Um, interact with them. Let them know that you listen to the podcast and uh, what it, you know, hopefully brought to you um, from that aspect. So that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. I've got another episode coming up very, very soon that I think you guys are going to enjoy as well. Um, And just as always, you know, a huge thank you for all the support you've given me, the uh, support on this podcast, the other podcast, the concert photography that I do, the whole nine yards, it it really does mean a lot uh, to see you guys enjoying the stuff that I'm putting out. So um, if there's an artist that you'd like for me to have on either podcast, please let me know. Easiest way is comment on Instagram, um, DM on Instagram, whatever. Let me know what bands you want to hear from, and I will see what I can do. Hopefully, you know, we can make a lot of those happen for you. So that's everything, guys, on this episode. As always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.